All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Pastor Morris is leaving. <laughs> I got to pick on him just a little bit. Just a little bit. This morning, he preached a wonderful message. I only got one issue with it. He was complaining about getting older. Age is a gift. I look forward to getting older. Amen? I celebrate birthdays. And so if you're complaining about joints and all those things, joint pains and, and not being able to kneel, I look forward to the day that when I struggle with that because of my age. Why? I was almost robbed of getting older, and so I look forward to getting older. Amen? Age is a gift, right? Right, Pastor Morris? Where'd he go? He's still back. He's hiding now. But anyway, continuing on. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Uh, and as you're turning there, um, uh, Riley has sung two specials today. And both of those specials were very impactful for me. Uh, the first one he sang this morning, Rejoice in the Lord by Ron Hamilton. Um, Pastor Monty, we've all heard him preach his uh, sermon on a song in the night. That is my song in the night. Uh, that song, uh, through um, all the different issues and things that I had to go through with cancer, is something that got me through um, those struggles and trials. And I'm thankful to be alive, and I'm very thankful to hear that song. And one of the big reasons is I will be leaving Monday afternoon. I'm heading for the airport, and I'll have my next checkup. Just a checkup. They're just going to check my blood work, and then they're going to do a CT scan, and then, Lord willing, I'll be back on a plane Tuesday, uh, heading back here if everything's good. But I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking everything's going to be good. I'm thankful that uh, I got a good hospital. I'm also looking forward to seeing everybody at the hospital and uh, catching up, but I, I, feel, I got a feeling that everything will be good. So, But here we are. So Romans chapter 8, I want you to look at a verse with me. Romans 8.28. Now, this is a verse that we all know. Amen. Like, this is one of those verses that we look at and we know, but if you notice the, the title, How to Handle Injustice. So we're going to start here, and then I want you to keep your place in the Bible uh, in Romans chapter 8, but then we're going to be going right over to Genesis. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says here, And we know that all things work together for, what does that word say? Good. Let's try it again. What does that word say? Good. We know, and we know. I like how he says it. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into this lesson. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak and, and preach your word tonight. Father, I pray that you would help me to speak and preach your word. But most important, Lord, I pray that you would use what is said tonight to make an impact in our lives. pray this in your son's name. Amen. And so the title, How to Deal with Injustice. And uh, when I think of injustice and I think of problems that go on, um, I've had injustice that's happened in my life. I've had, um, you know, people that were, were just mean. I've had people that were, were wrong. I've had people that have abused their authority against me. Um, I, you know, I still remember in the middle of my, my cancer battle, um, I was going in for my first surgery. And if you would take your Bibles and turn over to Genesis 39 as I'm talking. But I still remember going into my first cancer battle, or my first surgery, and uh, I was nervous. I was scared, and I had a neighbor, and uh, yeah, and I had this neighbor, and he was kind of a, a grumpy Gus, I guess is the best way to play. I mean, who has a cancer patient's cat arrested, right? My cat was outside. He had it arrested multiple times, taken to the humane shelter, and this is after I said, hey, this is my cat. It's running around. It liked to go into the field and catch mice and bring them up to the house, but he had the cat arrested, but then he went a step further, and uh, I had this, this uh, a majestic animal. Anybody know what a Belgian Malinois is? Yes. I mean, that's a man's 
dog right there, right? My wife, she has a golden retriever now. She likes a golden retriever. I don't, I mean, it's an okay dog, but I mean, it's not a killer like a Belgian Malinois. I mean, that dog was fast. It was amazing. I had it trained. I could snap. I could whistle and it would respond to it. Absolutely great. This guy went through, he was a, he was a, a law enforcement officer and he went through and he wrote up a six-page false rep- report against me to get my dog removed from my home. He went through all these different steps, and we had to. I had. I am. And I'm going for surgery, and I don't know what to do with my dog because I, I don't want to have to deal with this while this is going on. So we had the dog rehomed in Michigan, and uh, I still miss that dog. It was a great dog, but you know what happened there was injustice. What he did, what he did, was wrong. It was completely wrong. But how do we how do we handle situations like that? I mean, the reality is, is in life we're always going to be faced with hardships. I, I know as Christians we, we sometimes we have that 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 rainbow you know kind of you know glasses on that we just think everything's going to be amazing. I'm saved now. Everything's going to be just fine. And the reality is, is we look at Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good. So some of the context there is that there's going to be something that happens where we have to reflect on this verse to look at it. But when I when I when I think of injustice in scripture, I often think of our Lord. Our Lord went through injustice, but on top of that, there's a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph went through a lot of injustice. When you think of the life of Joseph, right? Here's Joseph, this young man. He has a dream. He has a dream, and in that dream, he he goes, after that dream, he goes and tells his brothers, hey, guess what? One day, you're all going to bow in front of me. One day, this is going to occur. Now, the best part about this is he's the youngest of them, right? He's the younger brother, and me being the oldest sibling in my family, um, if my, one of my younger siblings came and said something along this lines to me, I'd probably be a little irritated, right? But I wouldn't take my irritation to the level that they did. They took their, their irritation to the point where they decide they're going to kill him. They want to murder him. They want to rid the planet of him. And one of the things that I love is, is Reuben comes under the scenario and he's onto the scene. And, and Reuben's like, hey, that's not a great idea. You know what I mean? He is our brother. We shouldn't kill him. And then Judah's like, I got a better idea than killing him. Why don't we just sell him? <laughs> right? Now, I know that in my house, my, my, my kids, I'm sure that sometimes they thought how great it would be to sell one of their siblings off, but we wouldn't allow that, right? But so here's this, this issue. They, they, they end up selling him into slavery. And so now you have Joseph, and Joseph, he's, oh, he started this, this, this process of going through what would be years of injustice, not only that does this occur, but Joseph, he ends up getting sold to Potiphar. And one of the things I like about this is Joseph sees, uh, Joseph is, is now in this, this foreign land, and, and now he's, he's, he's been mistreated, but then he's still doing what's right. Potiphar notices Joseph. Potiphar notices that there's something different. He's smart. He's intelligent. And so Potiphar purchases him. Joseph, is, Joseph excels so much with Potiphar that he gave Joseph charge over his affairs. And when you look in Genesis 39 and in verse 6, it says here, And he, that's Potiphar, knew not what he had, save the bread which he did eat. He would literally have to tell people, Hey, Potiphar, how much are you worth now? And Potiphar would be like, I don't know. You'd have to ask Joseph. I don't know that answer. That's, that's what Joseph had with Potiphar. So he went from, he went from being mistreated by his family and, and experiencing that injustice right there, and now he's, he's got some sort of clout with Potiphar, and Potiphar's like, hey, you just, you just do whatever you got to do. Now, I don't think that Joseph lived a life of misery in this situation. I think he was treated very well. As we're reading through Scripture, you, you see that, that he was in charge of everything. He had, he had that authority. Joseph had it really good. 
But then we know as the story continues on that, there's the, that Potiphar has a wife. And Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, she, she wants to know Joseph in an immoral way. And, and what happens is she keeps, she keeps pressing on Joseph and, and trying to tempt him and pull him. And, and the thing that I like about this is in this, in this land, it was socially acceptable for Joseph to go this route. He, he could have did this, but here's the problem. Just because it was socially acceptable in the land didn't make it right in the eyes of God. Amen? Joseph took a stand. He did what was right at the expense of what would be a comfortable life. And so what happens is Potiphar lies about her. And so Joseph is arrested and put into prison. And so think about this. He's experienced injustice you know, from his family. Now he's experienced injustice from his, his slave owner. And now he's put into prison. But what I love is in chapter 39 and verse 21 it says this, But the Lord was with Joseph. Then we come to Joseph in prison. Joseph in prison, and so yet again facing, facing injustice, right? He, he's still dealing with this. And we, we come to verse 23 and, uh, in Genesis 39. It says here, And the keeper of the prison looked not on anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made prosper. What do we notice about, what do we, when we find out about Joseph's character? Regardless of what's going on, he's still doing what's right. When, when I'm working in the county jail or with addicts and different things like that, I would, I would always make a statement. Right actions, right results. Right actions, right... If I'm doing what's right, why shouldn't I expect God to take care of me? Amen? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them called according to His purpose. So now, so Joseph, he, he's here in the prison, and, and one of the things that happens is he hears two men talking, right? He hears them talking, and they're describing a dream. And we know that Joseph is the interpreter of dreams. I shouldn't say Joseph is, but God gives him interpretations to dreams. Joseph hears the men talking about the dreams that they had, and the, the two men there, the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. Joseph interprets the dreams uh, to the men. And one of the things that I love about this is he explains to the butler, don't worry, one day you're going to be back at your job. Right? Baker comes, and he's like, oh man, so you can tell him what's going on there? I, can you tell me what mine means? And so he does. He goes, yeah, your means you're going to die. <laughs> it's over. And then the dreams come to, be, the, the dreams come to pass, and, and what Joseph said is true. And one of the things that I like is that he says to, to, he says to the butler, please remember me when you stand in front of Pharaoh. Now, I've heard preachers chide the butler over this situation, right? But, I mean, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Like, you just get out of prison because your boss was mad at you. He has you, he has you in prison. You get out of prison, and you're like, oh, by the way, there's another guy. Could you get him out, too? That's not what occurred. So, Pharaoh's, so now what happens, we come to the next part of this journey for Joseph. Joseph runs into Pharaoh. Or Joseph, I'm sorry, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream that troubles him. Pharaoh does not get a satisfactory interpretation from the people that he's asking. And then, you, then comes, now the butler comes into the scene, and the butler's like, hey, I know a guy. I know a guy that can interpret dreams. And, and Pharaoh says, bring that man to me. I want him here. And then so now Joseph, he's, he, he, Joseph, he's standing in front of Pharaoh, and I absolutely love this. Joseph is standing in front of Pharaoh. And one of the things that he, that, he, that, he, that he does is he honors God first. But this is such a neat scenario because pharaohs believe themselves to be what? Living gods. They believe that they were deity. They were promoted as deity. And so Joseph, standing in front of him, he says, Hey, listen, 
all interpretations belong to God. Joseph, in this scenario, he could have been like, hey, I got the answer for you. I could do this for you. I could help you out. You know, and, and, and what he doesn't do that. But instead, what he does is, hey, he humbly says, listen, the answer that I'm going to give you is not from me, but from the Lord, the one true God. Pharaoh listens to what he has to say. He, and Joseph goes on to explain that we're going to have seven years of plenty and then there's going to come seven years of famine. And, and God is telling you, Pharaoh, that you've got to get your storehouses built up to survive the famine. Genesis 41 and 16, it says, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And then in verse 38, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Here yet again, Joseph is still doing what's right. Genesis 41 and verse 40, it goes on to say this, Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. What an amazing statement, isn't that? You have, you have Joseph's been through all of these different issues in life. Years of injustice, years of problems, years of suffering, years of toil. He, you know, from his family, the betrayal of his family, all the way down. He keeps going through these different things, but yet the Bible tells us clearly that the Lord was still with him. And in every opportunity, he still honors God. He still does what's right. And now, he started out that morning in the prison. And then he finds himself in the second most powerful position in the known world. What an amazing story. Now, we, we, could, we could look at that and we could draw some different conclusions, but what I would like to think about is Joseph always did what was right. We, can't, we cannot deal with all circumstances of life. We, uh, when I, what I mean to say by this, we cannot understand everything that's going to be coming down the pipeline tomorrow. Something could happen in your life that would dramatically change everything about your life. I'm sure most of us are not planning on bad news tomorrow. I'm sure most of us are not planning on getting into a car accident or getting, getting fired from a job. We don't think about those things. We don't plan about those things, but they do occur. Bad things will happen. But what's really important is how we handle them. That's what's important. I, 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 can't, I can't stop what the results of my tests are going to be on Tuesday. I don't know. I got a good feeling that they're going to be just fine. I feel fine. I, I, things are, are working. My body's starting to wake up. I've even started doing some... I have been pouting so bad. Pouting so bad. About what? I miss lifting weights. I love lifting weights. I, I, it's just, I love exercising. And at my hospital, they told me that you're, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. They're like, you know, your car, I've got surgery upon surgery. Everything's all cut up. So they're like, we want you doing something that you hate. What? Cardio. Cardio is disgusting. Weight, lifting weights, that, that doesn't require effort to me. I just love doing it. It's just something I enjoy, right? Cardio is just miserable. Like, who wants to run? Like, you know, like, I, I, I mean, there there's, might be certain occasions that I might need to run. I just can't think of many that I would need to worry about it. Like, I just, I don't like it. I started going back to the pool. Why? Well, I used to be a swimmer. And uh, I, I'm, I, I, so I started swimming again, and, and it's not something I want to do, you know, but I, I got to try to do something. I just can't lay around and be lazy. So I'm doing different things like that. But no matter what happens on Tuesday, I still need to honor God. 
I still need to serve him. I still need to glorify him in my life. You know, I can't be short-sighted with the different things going on in my life. Well, this happened to me when? Bad things are going to happen. Sometimes we, we don't, sometimes we, we, we might not know how to deal with it. Sometimes it comes out of left field. We just, we, we don't know. Do you think Joseph woke up that, the, the morning that his brothers grabbed him and threw him into a pit and said, today is the day I get sold into slavery. Yay. No. Do you think when, when, when he was working for Potiphar and everything was going good and he's, he's got a nice life now and everything's working out for him, do you think today's the day I'm going to prison? No. But what did he do? He honored the Lord. Our lives are meant to honor God no matter what occurs in this life. If you're sitting here today and you know Jesus Christ is Savior, you've already won at life. Amen? If you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, you know that you're going to heaven. You've already won. You've won the greatest thing that anybody could ever ask for. A home in heaven. If that's the only thing that God has ever done for me, it is worth it to serve Him. Amen? God doesn't have to bless me. God doesn't have to do wonderful things. If He just did that, if that was all Christianity amounted to, was going through this life and then going to heaven, it's worth it to live for Jesus Christ. But see, that's the thing. God doesn't leave us barren. He gives us the comfort. He gives the Holy Ghost. He gives us the church. Hey, listen, we have something more than Joseph, right? We have the local church. We can go to church. We have people praying for us. We have people that love us. He was in a foreign country with nothing and nobody. But he still did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Life was never promised to be easy. The Bible does say we will be blessed. But it also explains hardships and the importance of staying faithful to the Lord. 1 Peter 5.10 But the God of all grace who hath called you, I'm sorry, hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Romans 8.18. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture right here. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What an amazing truth. Suffering will occur. But it doesn't compare to the glory which shall God shall do in our lives. We find that in Joseph, things keep going on for him. Joseph builds up the food storage. He takes the seven years of plenty and prepares for the famine. The famine comes and people from all over the world and some of those, uh, they, they start coming to Egypt and some of those that came were his brothers. Joseph gets this interaction with his family. He plays a little game with them, trying to figure different things out. Uh, you know, and, and what happens is eventually he reveals himself to his brothers. His brothers instantly get, oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> it's Joseph. Joseph could literally tell those guards to run them through with spears and that's it, it's over and they, they, they're done. Joseph doesn't do that, but one of the things that Joseph just wants to know, I love this portion of scripture in Genesis 45. All Joseph wants to know is, is my dad alive? They're like, but, but we did this to you. And he's like, I'm not worried about that. Is dad alive? <laughs> Is he, is he? And they're like, yes. Joseph says, I want him brought to me. 
And in Genesis 45, we see that Joseph not only sends his brothers back to go get dad, but he sends riches. He sends wagons of riches. Could you imagine Jacob in that situation? They come back and they're like, hey, dad, guess what? Remember that, 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 that son we said that we found dead and we had the sheep cloth? Remember, remember that whole scenario? Yeah, 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 my son. Because, you know, when, when Jacob, he wasn't recovering from that, right? And then he's like, well, dad, we found him. He's still alive. And not only that, Dad, he's really rich. <laughs> How many of us, I would love to have a rich family member that just left me inheritance. I'm just saying. But anyway, so, but he, he, Dad, he, he's, he's really rich. And, and, and what we find is Jacob, he gets so excited. He's like, this is enough for me that I can now die knowing that he's alive. But eventually what happens is, is, is Jacob passes away. And after the passing of Jacob, Joseph's brothers, they were worried that Joseph would seek vengeance on them for what occurred because of their actions. They're now worried about what's going to happen now that, that dad is no longer around to keep Joseph at bay. They're worried about what's going to occur. And so they do the next right thing. They lie. That was sarcasm. <laughs> they lie about what he said. They, they, they go to him, they're like, hey, Joseph, you know, dad passed away. I, we know you know that. But, man, he had this one request before he died. Don't hold what we did to you against us. And, and that's when we find out what Joseph was really all about. That's when we see the character of Joseph. Joseph says to them, Genesis 50, 20. I would encourage you, turn your Bible, please, with Genesis 50. This is one of the most impactful verses. This is a verse that's gotten me through injustice. This is a verse that's gotten me through problems. This is a verse that I, that, I, that I call upon, that I pray or I repeat to myself when I, when I deal with people that, that have something against me for no actual good reason. Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. Now look at what he says next. But God meant it unto good. What a profound statement. There's not much that I would say about what everything that Joseph went through that I would say, that's good, that's good, that's good. But what is, look, at, well, look what he says. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. What an amazing statement. In this scenario, he's not going, yep, you're right, I'm in this position, and you know what? As a result of dad being gone, you're all dead. I'm done with you. It's over. You guys no longer get to exist on this planet. That's not what occurred. Joseph recognized that God was with him. God was always moving in his life, and God was guiding him. I personally think, and, and again, this is just my personal opinion. You can't, I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord on it. But I think, jo, I think God was molding the character of Joseph. Joseph's, Joseph. It's okay to laugh. I, I still have some chemo brain. I think God was molding the character of a young man to be the person that could stand in front of Pharaoh and have the exact right words to say in that moment. And Joseph recognized that about what was going on. Joseph didn't look at his, 
hardships. He didn't look at his suffering. He didn't look at his injustice and hold that against the Lord or his family. Because as a result of their actions, he is in the place he needed to be. I, I still remember in Scripture when, 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 when Christ, was, when, when Christ was, was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, when we, when we think about the cross, the cross is the darkest day in humanity, is it not? You know, we, we, we had the attack on Israel. That was a terrible, 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 horrible event. And anybody siding with Hamas is a complete moron. What occurred there was evil. What occurred there was barbaric. What occurred there was, was animalistic. And I agree with our preacher. There's only one way that needs to be dealt with. What they did. It was bad. It was horrible. But it, compares to, it does not compare to what happened on the cross. Christ, the creator, shows up to the creation and offers love and salvation and healing. And the response to that was to murder him. And as he sat up there, we, there's a song in our hymnal, he could have called down 10,000 angels, right? I think it's called 10,000. He could have called down the angels. He could have said, it's enough. He could have said, Michael, on, come on down. He could have dealt with all those people that are throwing rocks and spitting on him and attacking him. He could have dealt with that swiftly, and we could argue justified. But there was a purpose in what he was going through. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? Father, not my will, but thine. Hey, if there be any other way for this cup to pass from me, let it be so. But then he ultimately said, not my will, but thine. My will is an easy life. Amen? I, seriously. My will would be a nice, cushy, easy life. Suffering's not fun. I've suffered a lot. I, I, I've been through things. I've been through all kinds of different stuff. I, I, don't like, I don't like laying in a hospital bed after they cut you open by two foot. That's not fun. Stuff like that's not enjoyable. But you know what? I start to find joy in it. You know, you know in that situation when those nurses and doctors all come in, I have an opportunity to be a light for Jesus Christ in those moments. You know, one of the things that when I get back to my hospital... This week, there's going to be two couples there that I helped get situated to get cancer treatment. They, they were having bad, uh, the, the, one, the one couple, she was diagnosed, her name's Julie. If you would please pray for her, her name is Julie. Her oncologist was going to be my original oncologist, the one that tried to kill me. He reached out and he said, hey, I need some help. I said, hey, you need to call this number. This is Leanne. She's my, my liaison for the hospital. She will get you squared away. They called Thursday. They have her in the hospital on Monday. She's, they're, they're on their way there right now. I, I get to meet, a, there's a friend that's been a huge encouragement. His name is Jose. I get a chance to meet with him. You know, I, 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 I've, I, I've got to pray with people. I've got to share the gospel with people. I, I've got to sit there and say, hey, to, to people that were scared and struggling, and I've been scared and struggling, but I, I got to be there and try to be an encouragement to them. But you know, if I hadn't have gone through what I've gone through, I wouldn't have been in that position to try to be that for them. We, 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 we deal with problems in life one of two ways. We either are going to be a victim to the circumstances, or we're going to be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ prayed, not my will, but thine. God's plan. 
Joseph recognized that God had a plan through it all, and that plan was to save much people alive. We're not victims. Actually, the Bible tells us we're the opposite of victims. We're overcomers. Amen? The Bible tells us that the world is not worthy, right? That what the world has for us compares, it doesn't even come close to comparing to what God has for us. What is the worst thing that can be thrown at us? Death, sorrow, loss. But if we know Christ, there's victory at the end of it because we get to go to heaven. If I get separated from my family on this earthly plane, I know I'll see them again. Amen? That gives me comfort. That gives me, that gives me hope and joy to think about. Another thing that I like about Joseph is Joseph didn't play the victim. You know, in Scripture, we don't see him crying. I'm a crybaby. Ain't you guys ever, I mean, I, how many men ever struggle with the man flu? That would be honest. I do. Thank you, Lincoln. My son was honest. When I get sick, I want the world to stop and revolve around me. Amen? I do. And I know about 90% of you men in here do the same thing. And then we hear from our wives things like, well, it's not as bad as childbirth. I know. <laughs> I know it. I get it. I understand it. But I'm a baby. <laughs> I think it's our mom's fault, though. Mom's fault. Why? Because when we were young, we got spoiled. You got the chicken noodle soup. You got all the different stuff. I remember, I remember this one time. I was, I was sick. I, was, I had, like, got stomach, not stomach poisoning. I got uh, food poisoning. Anybody ever had to survive food poisoning? Oh, that's miserable. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm, I'm in my house, and we were living in the parsonage uh, next to Heritage Baptist Church. We are in the parsonage. We were serving the Lord, and I got all this food poisoning, and I'm just, I'm just heaving, and it's all bad, and it's miserable. And I'm, like, I had to crawl into the bathroom. It was horrible, and I'm crying for my wife. I'm like, Laura, Laura. And all of a sudden, I heard our front door open and close. And then my next thought was, she left me. <laughs> she left me. I, I, I started having a mental breakdown in that moment. It was bad. The only comforting thing I had was my German shepherd. The dog, Cusco was sitting there, and he's just like looking at me like, please don't die on me, Dad. You know, I just, you know. And then all of a sudden, I remember hearing the sweetest sound ever. You see, the door opened up again. And then I heard the sweetest voice ever. It was my mother-in-law. And all I heard was, where's my sick boy? And she babied me. She, she got me nursed back to health. She made me the chicken noodle soup with the dumplings in it. Hallelujah. She got me some Powerade to get the electrolytes back into my... She nursed me back to health. Now, the part I left out about that story is my wife was uh, severely... She was, she was very pregnant, and she was having a lot of morning sickness. <laughs> And she knew her mom was right next door, and so she went and got mom. We're not victims. Joseph kept his eyes focused on God. And even when he had the opportunity to compromise in a society that sin was acceptable, he stayed faithful. Amen? If I could encourage you, keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ. I, I don't know what's coming down the pipeline. 
I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what form of injustice that we're going to run into. I don't know what form of suffering that we might have to face. But I have learned this in life. God is still the answer. God is never mean to us. He is never cruel to us. He doesn't hate us. He doesn't punish us. He might chastise us when we go a little astray. There's a huge difference between God correcting his child back to him versus God punish, God's punishment. There's a huge difference there. But he, he's made us a promise to never leave us nor forsake us. He's, actually, he's, he's, he's even told us in, in his word that the sufferings this present time, Romans 8, 18, the sufferings this present time, they're not worthy to be compared to the glory what shall be revealed in us. But you know, in all of it, we get a choice. Will I keep my eyes focused on God? Will I keep doing what's right? Or will I give up? Will I cry? Will I make a Facebook post and make it so ambiguous that, that people will, will, will shower me in the comments with, what, what's wrong? Are you okay? I hate when people do that on, on social media. They throw something out there like, oh, I could just use a lot of prayer today. And they're like, oh man, what's going on? I stubbed my toe. Like, come on. Man, <laughs> as I close, in this life, we're not victims. Bad things happen, and I'm not downplaying that at all. If you've placed your trust in Christ as your Savior, you've already achieved the greatest victory, which is eternal life in heaven. Life as we, life as we know is not promised to be easy. We are forewarned of hardships. However, we're also promised blessings if we follow God's path and keep our eyes focused on Him. It is essential not to let the circumstances shake your faith. Instead, view them as an opportunity to glorify our Savior. I, I, you know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When does light shine the brightest? When it's dark. I could light a, I could, if I had a lighter, if I turned a lighter on right now, it's not that significant. But if we shut all the lights off in this, in this auditorium, and now I light that little tiny light, everybody's eyes get directed to it. In this dark world, with these problems, these issues, all that is going on, we're the light. You know, some of the things that have gotten me up out of bed in the morning, I got to be a light. I can't make the focus about me. I have to make it about him. I have to keep my eyes focused on him. Remember, the darker the situation, the brighter our light can shine. And Christians, we are called to be beacons of hope for our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the truth of the scripture. We thank you for the example of Joseph. We thank you for Christ and the example he gave us on the cross. And Father, I beg of you and I plead with you that you'd help us to stay strong in the midst of turmoil, injustice, and suffering. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you so that we could glorify your heaven. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Ask everybody to stand.